finish Laodicea and be done with the churches and move to something else next week. Let's just see how far we get. Revelation 3, verse 7. And to the angel. Is he writing to an angel or to the, to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia? Write, these things says he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts, shuts no one opens. I know your works. Jesus said that to every church. He knew their work. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. You've kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Indeed, I'll make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I've loved you. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He'll go out no more. I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I'll write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So that's his message to the church in Philadelphia. Now, as, you, as, as we read that, you should notice that this church received no correction from the Lord. That's a good thing, isn't it? Remember when Jesus would address the churches, he'd always point out the good first. That's how Jesus is. He looks for the good. And then things that needed to be corrected, then he'd tell them what needed to be corrected. And then he'd call those things that they needed to correct. He'd tell the churches to repent. Isn't it good that we can repent? Okay. And so this church, like the church in Smyrna, there was only two of the seven that got no correction. This church received no correction. Of the seven churches... I believe this church would be the one that you'd want to be a member of, the church in Philadelphia. In my opinion, this one was probably the, the, the one that if you could choose of the seven or if I could choose of the seven, which church I'd want to be a member of, it'd be this one here. Uh, let's look at verse seven again to the angel or to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia. Does anybody know what Philadelphia means? Brotherly love. All right, right. These things says he who is holy is true, who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts, shuts no one opens. What is the key of David? Well, as simply as I can put it, the key of David indicates, a key indicates control, doesn't it? Control, if you have the keys, you've got, got control. So it would indicate control, and in this case, over King David's domain. Remember King David from the Old Testament? So the, if you had the key of David, it would indicate having control over his domain. And that key was to be given to the Messiah. And who's doing the talking here? Jesus. And who said he has the key of David? Jesus said he had the key of David. So that we can conclude just from that, that Jesus is the Messiah, isn't he? And he's got complete and total control. And so that's what that means when he says that he has the key of David. That Remember, the, the Messiah was to come from David's lineage. Remember that? And so Jesus, uh, you know, he was born of a virgin. You understand that. Uh, and so he was 100% God and 100% man. But the man part of it came through the lineage of David. And so that's all he's saying to them there is that, you know, he's, he's the Messiah. And Jesus is the Messiah, isn't he? And that's, that's all that means. And then he says, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. How many of you know God 
And Jesus is God, isn't he? Yeah, yes, he is. How many of you know Jesus, when he opens a door, nobody can shut it. And when he shuts a door, nobody can open it. You understand that? You need, you need to understand that. You need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And it goes along with, we'll be talking about that in the class, flowing with the Holy Spirit. God opens doors and God closes doors. You also need to know this. Just because a door is open doesn't mean that God opened it. And just because a door is shut doesn't mean God shut it. Well, how can I know if God opened it? How can I know if God shut it? You need to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. As to know whether or not the door was opened by God or the door was closed by God. But that having been said, you need to realize that when God opens a door, nobody can close it. And when God shuts a door, nobody can open it. I learned this in my life. Uh, I got married at 25 years old uh, to, to my wife. And... Uh, the Lord directed us to quit our jobs and go to Oklahoma and attend Bible school. And I had just I had just concluded up my second year of teaching as a, as a math teacher, a full time job, and I also taught at Merrimack part time, Merrimack College. And uh, now you don't want to quit your job and move to another city unless the Lord directs you to do that. She quit her job, I quit my job. We were both making decent money. And she always made more than me because she's a nurse. Well, those nurses make a lot of money, you know that? But I made, I made a fair amount, you know. But be that as it may, we went from making decent money down to making nothing. With no promise of anything other than we had the word of God and the direction to go to Bible school. And... Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in math, not a master's. And so I can teach at the junior college level, but just up so far, just like up through intermediate or college algebra, I can't teach the calculuses, although I could do it, but I don't have the paper. You know what I mean? The qualifications that you have to have. And so we went to Oklahoma and long story short, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do down there to make a living because you can't work at a school district because Bible school was from like eight in the morning till noon. So you can't I can't work in a school district. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to need a job teaching that you know, I can as I was only available in the afternoons and evenings. And so what are you going to do? So, you know, I'm thinking I may have to work at McDonald's flipping hamburgers and there's nothing wrong with that. But I've got a math degree. I shouldn't, you know, I should be able to teach. Long story short, I walked into Tulsa Junior College and uh, just walked in. And the head of the math department just happened to be there. And long story short, he, uh, he went in the room, in the back room, into his office. He called up here to Merrimack, checked a reference. And he hired me right on the spot. Now that's unheard of. Because there was a lot of people wanted that job. And I just came in from St. Louis. The man never saw me before, never heard of me before. I had no, didn't fill out any paperwork. I just walked in and he hired me. Isn't that something? That's really something. So then I taught there for my first, first year. We went to Bible school and I, I worked. I taught in the afternoons and evenings. And then 
we, we came up on the first, it was a two-year program, Bible school. We came up into the summer and uh, they didn't have any, uh, well, I, I guess I had one job, one, one class to teach over the summer. And I didn't have enough to keep me busy and that wasn't enough. To, we needed more money than that. And uh, the phone rings one day and it was a director from, you know, like Merrimack has different campuses. Well, you know, there's Flow Valley and Merrimack and Forest Park and whatnot. Same thing down in Tulsa. So I answered the phone and it was a fellow from the city campus of Tulsa Junior College. And he said, uh, he said, I heard that uh, you're working over here at the, well, I think it was the southeast campus. And he says, I've got a, a, I need somebody to teach two classes for me this summer and run the math lab in the evening. Would you be available? I said, are you kidding me? I said, I'll take that. Now, can't you see the hand of God in that? Oh, yeah. And, I, and in one minute's time, I went from not having enough to do, going to have to go out and work at McDonald's over the summer. Just that quick, I had more than, I had my plate full. I had plenty to do. Plus, I, he let me teach, uh, do the math lab all through the second year that we were at Bible school. Isn't that wonderful? Now, if I went down there today to look for that same thing, it wouldn't be available. You know why? Because the door was open then. It's not open now. God opened a door for me. You understand that? I remember back years before that, I always wanted to teach at the Rockwood School District. That was my goal. I wanted to be a math teacher at the Rockwood School District, Eureka High School. I wanted to coach the golf team. That's all I wanted to do. And I tried, after I graduated from college, I tried... With all of my effort, everything I could do to get a job at the Rockwood School District. I tried and I tried. I filled out resumes. I did everything I could and they wouldn't give me the time of day. And I graduated from Eureka High School in 1981 and I was one of the top ten scholars in the graduating class. But that didn't evidently mean anything. They still wouldn't. I couldn't even get an interview at the Rockwood School District. So one day I'm teaching. Now this is before I got married, before we went to Bible school. I was teaching at Merrimack and uh, it was the... Uh, I guess it was about the, the third class, and I was teaching intermediate algebra, and this lady walks up. She's a student in my class, and she introduced herself as the president of the school board of the Rockwood School District. She said, student in my class at Merrimack. She introduced herself, and she said, uh, I've watched you teach now for a, for a couple of sessions. She said, I think you're a good teacher. <clears throat> and she said, uh, would you like a full-time job at the Rockwood School District? You know, you just, well, well, yeah. Did you get, are you all out there today? Did you get, are you out there or are you going home? That's pretty good, isn't it? The president wanted me. I remember when I taught my first uh, class in my student teaching, it was at the Rockwood School District. It was at Lafayette High School. And after I taught my first class, the lady I was doing my student teaching for, she called me that evening and she said, I would reconsider being a teacher. You have no talent at teaching at all. You'll never make it as a teacher. And isn't that just encouraging? So all those years come and go. And now I got the president of the school board standing in front of me in my class at Merrimack. Asking me if I'd like a full time job at the Rockwood School District. And I said, well, yes, yes, ma'am. And so the human resources department, while they wouldn't give me the time of day before. I started hearing from them. How many of you know the president will get them going? And I was getting letters. I was getting calls. They were setting up interviews for me. And I had several interviews. 
Now I'm thinking the president wants me in. Baby, I'm in. This is just, it's just a matter of, you know, I'll be able to write my own ticket. And you know what? I didn't get hired. I didn't get hired. You know why? God shut the door. And when God shuts a door, not even a president can open it. Is that right? Now, I didn't know then, but I found out later, had I gotten hired at the Rockwood School District, it would have hindered this church because we met in the Rockwood School District up here at Rockwood Summit High School for about four years. And there were times I had to go in and lovingly challenge the uh, the, the guy that was directing the, the building usage up there. And how many of you know if you're working for a school district, you can't go in and kind of get up in somebody's face and tell them you are going to turn the heat on on Sunday morning when it's three degrees outside. You just can't do that. You understand what I'm saying? point I'm trying to make is if God opens a door, nobody's going to shut it. And if God shuts a door, nobody's going to open it. Did you hear what I just said? What you don't want to do is try to open doors for yourself. You can get in trouble doing that. Last, should I tell you another story along these lines of open doors? Uh, my family owned... Uh, 80 acres of ground right back here behind behind the, the subdivision back here. And that's where I was born. I was born in Deaconess Hospital, actually, in St. Louis, and, but lived back here all my life till I got married. And then, be that as it may, we had about 80 acres of ground back here, and we tried from the time I was a kid to sell that property. 80 acres in St. Louis County. You would think it'd be worth a whole bunch of money. But where that land was located, it was landlocked and no utilities to it. You couldn't get to it. And it was, we tried from the time I was about six years old, for years, I'm 52 now, we sold it about uh, 10 years ago, but we tried from the time I was six years old to sell that ground. And we have contracts on it and they'd always fall through. We tried to sell it, 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 tried to sell it. My mother, she, we tried everything we could, we did everything we could do to try to sell that ground and it wouldn't sell. Well, guess what? A window opened up. A door opened up. Real loud say a door opened. A door opened. I remember this ground was a piece of junk piece of ground, really. If you look, if you look at it, it was worth it. Was a, one guy called it a goat farm. It really was. It was just. But all of a sudden. There was a big, massive, real nice piece of property over here that came for sale. And a real nice, big piece of property over here that came for sale. And the developer wanted to put these two pieces of property together. And guess what was sitting right in between those two big pieces of property? It was that 80 acres. The goat farm. And the goat farm went from something you couldn't really give away to worth an unbelievable amount of money. Unbelievable. Can anybody say amen? And I knew in my spirit from the time I was a kid that that ground was going to be worth a lot of money. I couldn't tell you how I knew that. But there again, you need to learn to what? Flow with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and But it was landlocked. There was everything against it. But all of a sudden, a, a door opened up. And that ground that was worthless became worth a whole lot of money. Long story short, we sold it 
Glory to God. Paid IRS a whole bunch of money. My mom divided it between three, me and my two brothers because she didn't need the money. She was well off. My part of it took the tithe money into this church, paid off the, the help to pay this off. We we're supposed to pay this off in 20 years. We paid it off in seven. Isn't that wonderful? You see, God opened a door. We had to be sensitive to that. The door opened. Our house, we, we lived over here in the Summit Hill subdivision over, over here. And our house sold in, it sold in about what? In about six, less than six months, I guess. Within 30 days. Sold in 30 days. Yeah. Thank you. My, my wife's keeping me straight. A door opened. I, why am I taking so much time? You need to be sensitive to these doors in your life. So the door opened. Waiting for from time I'm six years old, the door opens up, the land sells, our house sells, we build our dream home. <laughs> Didn't take a penny of your tithe money to do it. Can anybody say amen? I drive a nice car. Not one penny of your tithe money went to that. Amen. In fact, the tithe money came in here and, and helped pay this off. Now, that's the way it ought to be, right? You don't want a preacher stand up in front of you begging you for money. Is that right? Can you say amen? But here's the thing. Listen to this. The, the window opened. The door opened. All that happened. And then within a year, year and a half, 2008 came and the economy bellied up and the company that bought our ground and all that, God bless them, they went bankrupt. Everybody's going bankrupt. And, and within a year, we had a year and a half door. We, oh, we moved. In, we were sensitive to the Spirit of God. We moved through that door. Everything sold just as it was supposed to. We moved through it. And just as soon as we got through it, that door slammed shut. Everything bellied up, bankrupt. This one's bankrupt. That one's bankrupt. And that, pro, that goat farm that went from being worthless to being worth a, a mint, guess what? Worthless again. You couldn't have given it away. Back to the goat farm. Can you see, you see, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? So God has doors for all of us. I don't, normally I don't, I don't talk about financial things or whatnot, but, but you need to realize that there's doors that God has for all of us. And we need to be sensitive. And, and when He opens the door, we need to, we need to be ready to move. Because sometimes he'll open a door, he'll give you just a space of time to get something done. You need to get it done because then that door will close. Did, did you get that? Like I said, sometimes people try to open doors and make things happen. But remember, if God's got something shut. See, my wife and I, we, we, we went, I just feel impressed to tell you this. We tried to build our dream home back over there three or four times. And every time fell through, every time fell through, every time fell through. I remember about two years, three years, probably four years, four years, I guess it was, before we, we built our house. This contractor that we used, he's the greatest contractor I've ever, ever seen. He always answers his phone. You seldom find that today. Is that right? He always answers his phone. Well, I didn't know that at the time, but I, I, we got in touch with this guy who built our dream home. Well, four years before, we called him 
And guess what? He didn't answer his phone. And this is a man that we even left him a message. This is a man that always gets right back to you real quick. You know what I'm saying? Don't you like dealing with people like that? And he didn't answer his phone and he never called us back. Four years came and went and then we got back in touch with him. He answered his phone. You know why? Because it wasn't. I, I think God squelched that first phone call. The point is. Are you getting what I'm telling you? See, the Holy Ghost doesn't don't want to just move right here in the church. He wants to move in our everyday life. God has blessed me financially beyond my wildest dreams because I've learned how to flow with the Holy Ghost, not just in the church service. He's blessed me with a beautiful wife. I've got heaven on earth in marriage and have had so for 26 years. Do you know, you know why that is? Because I sought God and I let God open the door to who I was supposed to marry. I didn't go looking for her at a nightclub, at a bar. I didn't go to a bowling alley or a baseball game. I went to the house of God and I believed God and he brought me a beautiful wife. A door opened for me. I remember there at the church. I'm only going to get one church in here today. I remember when, when at, the, at the church there out in, in Allenton. I was there, single man, and the pastor called all the single ladies up one night. Remember that? And he lined them up for me. I normally don't tell this many stories. I normally just teach in the Bible, but it's all right if we talk once in a while. If you're visiting today, I usually just teach in the Bible all the time, but we're talking here a little today. He lined all the Sikhs, said, all the single ladies, come on up here and line up. There's about 12 of them. Maybe 15. I don't know. What did you say? About 12? It's about 12, 15 of them. And he said, Brother Terry, he said, take your pick. And I have to be honest with you. Some of them were slim pickings. I'll tell you that. But, but, but be that as it may. Pastor shouldn't have done that. No, he shouldn't have. Get shame. Okay. I'll give you his phone number. You can call him. So I walked down the line. I felt kind of like, you know, at a horse auction when you go through, you want to check, check, check your teeth, look at their teeth, look at their. Well, I didn't check her teeth. Open wide. But when I walked up in front of her, she was standing in that line. When I walked up in front of her, I felt like, I felt like, like Samuel at Jesse's house, you know. I wanted to ask the pat, except for my wife there. I wanted to say, you got any out back, you know? I, you didn't get that. You didn't take the class on David. Oh, come on, guys. Loosen up a little bit. Are you okay? I'm okay. You still love me? You gonna cook me lunch? Okay. But all kidding aside, all kidding aside, when I walked up in front of her, the Spirit of God said, she's the one. Just died on the inside. And then I asked her on the first date sometime later, and she said, I, I'd love, I said, would you like, you, I said, I would make a horrible salesman. Because I, because I, I went up to her, I said, you wouldn't want to go out on a date with me, would you? And she said, I'd like that. I'd like that very much. And so we went out on a first date. But then it, I had a dickens of a time getting a second date with her. 
But she finally went out again. And I remember I said to her, I said, after we dated for a little bit there, I said, I said, well, if we're going to get married, I said, I guess I'm going to have to kiss you. I'd never kissed a girl. Now, now I have to tell you, now normally if you're visiting, you're going to say, I'm probably never going to come back to this place because this guy. But I did, actually I thought about it, I did kiss a girl before Diane. I was playing uh, two square with her. And so this sixth grade, she'd kiss the ball and she'd bounce it to me. But I never kissed it back. Are you okay? Come on, guys. That was funny. But I said, I guess we're going to be married. I'm going to have to kiss you. And she said, yes, I remember I kissed her outside uh, 54, what was it? 485 C May Valley. Kissed her. And I just, I barely made it to my car. But see, God opened a door for me. Amen. I've had heaven on earth in my marriage. Why is that? Because I let God pick her for me. Are you, are you okay? Now, you know, if you attend here, I'm usually, you know, how many of you know, I know hardly ever talk like this. Is that right? Come on, give me a, give me a day to just be real. Is that right? To talk to you? Is that all right? Amen. So God has doors. He's opened doors for you. You need to be sensitive to them. And when the door is shut, be sensitive to know that God shut it. Don't try to open it. You okay? I thought that, that four square example of the girl kissing the ball and I never kissed it and threw it back to her. That's funny. These people need to, they, we need to help these people pray for that. Isn't that hilarious? All right, let's get back to it now. Say open doors. Say closed doors. Say open doors. Closed doors. You okay? I was going to pick on Marianne Anachi out here. She's the one that didn't hire me at, Mar- at, at Rockwood. I had an interview with her and she didn't hire me. She, to- she told me later, she said, I wouldn't have wanted that job anyway. She said it was a miserable thing. So you, God was using you. And remember when I came in for that interview? Did I have a hairpiece then or not? Did I have a hairpiece then? Now, if you're visiting, I said I used to wear a hairpiece. I got rid of that hairpiece. Come on, guys, we're talking, we're having fun. I walked in there and I went up to her and I said, I said, uh, I said, I'm teaching. You want to know something about me? I said, I'm going to teach here until I until I get the church going. And then I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. I'm going to be a pastor. That's not a good thing to say when you go to an interview, is it? No, no, no. But you didn't hire me, did you? Isn't that something? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Glory to God. All right, let's get back into the Bible. Are you okay? All right, so who opens doors? God does. Who closes doors? It wouldn't hurt you husbands to open your doors for your wives, is that right? I don't always do that. I watch Dale Francis. He always opens the door for Donna and convicts me of my sin because sometimes I don't do it for my wife. Come on, guys, let's make a commitment. Let's open the doors for our wives. What do you say? Okay. Now, look at verse 8. I know your works. See, I've set before you a what? And no one can. Did God open a door for this church in Philadelphia? He opened a door for him. Now, the city of Philadelphia 
on Asia Minor was founded by the Greeks and was known as the city of the open door. See, you need to know that about Philadelphia. It was known as the city of the open door and it was founded by the Greeks, this city, and it was known as the city of the open door and it was it was to spread the Greek language and culture throughout that area. That's what Philadelphia was founded for. But Jesus, he said, I'm giving this church. He said to the church in Philadelphia, I'm giving you an open door to spread the gospel. And see, when he talks about an open door, we wouldn't really realize what he's talking about there. But if you knew that this city was founded and it was known as the as the 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 open door to spread the Greek language and culture, then you would understand what Jesus was saying when he said, hey, I'm giving you an open door to spread the gospel. Isn't that wonderful? And then in the rest of verse B, he says, for you have a little strength. How many of you know all you need is a little strength? And and this church, and you need to realize that this church of the seven churches, this was a small church. It was not a large church. It was the smallest of the seven. It was a very small church. And he said, you have a little strength. You've kept my word. You've not denied my name. A very small church. Very limited resources. And you need to realize this. Even though this church was very small, Jesus validated it. You need to realize that. Did you get what I just said? Did you know that in the society in which we live here in the United States of America, that uh, big is usually always better? Is that right? The bigger, the bigger, the better. But, you know, bigger is not always better. And, and I remember I've had people over the years who have come through here because we're considered, we'd be considered to be a small church. And I've had different ones over the years come through here and look down the long end of their nose at me. Consider me as a second class citizen because I don't pastor a large church. I've even had other pastors, you know, uh, you get together with them and They'll, the one thing they'll, and, and I always, I'm always careful of this anymore. When a pastor, we get with somebody and they want to know how many you're running. What difference does it make? Are you in the will of God doing what God told you to do? Huh? 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 How many of you know, uh, there's some cults out there that have thousands of people on a Sunday morning and they're leading people away from the real Jesus of the Bible right into hell. Is that right? Now that's not successful, is it? But, but how many are you running? And then when, when they find out, you, you know, you don't have a big, massive church, they look down the long end of their nose at you. You need to realize Jesus thought just as much of this church in Philadelphia as he did the church in Ephesus that was pastored by Timothy, the church where Jesus' mother, the Virgin Mary, remember her? She, we went over this. She attended the church in Ephesus, remember that? And that was the big church, the church in Ephesus, and Timothy was the pastor. Jesus loved that church, but he also loved this one in Philadelphia. And he validated it, and he loved them. Isn't that wonderful? You see, you need to find out where God wants you to be. God might want you in a big church. You know, sometimes a big church is the place for you to be. For certain people to be. You understand, I don't mean you, but I mean certain people. They do better in a big, in a big setting. Uh, 
I had one person tell me one time, they said, the reason I go to the big church is because I can miss several Sundays and nobody will know whether I'm there or not. But God knows. Somehow or another, I always wanted to be part of a church before I was a pastor. I always wanted to be part of a church that was large enough to serve you and small enough to know you. I wanted to be part, which we are, I wanted to be part of a church that if I, if I died in the backyard, that after a few Sundays, somebody would come looking for me. Huh? Is that right? Is that right? And you want somebody to come looking for you? You want a church where you're, where you can, you know, I, I wanted to be a church where they knew who I was. They didn't meddle in my personal affairs, but they knew who I was. I, that's just, this is the kind of church we are. How I many you know Jesus validated this smaller church? He sure did. Even though they were very small, he validated them and he gave them an open door and he gave them the ability to do all that they needed to do for him. You know, you don't have to have a whole lot. Uh, he said they had a little strength. That little strength, if you study that out in the Greek, it's micro dunamis. It, it, it means uh, micro means small, dunamis means dynamite. They were small but powerful. How many of you know uh, you can be small and still be powerful? This church was microdunamis. They were small but powerful. Um, let me ask you a question. How many of you remember the superheroes from years ago? Remember the superheroes? What's the greatest superhero of them all? Superman. Superman faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Leap tall buildings in a single bound. Is that right? Superman came to earth with powers beyond those of mortal men. How many of you know Superman? You like Superman. But if you dropped your uh, if you dropped a coin that was very valuable in your car seat back behind your car seat, you would need Superman at that point. You'd need the atom. How many remembers the atom? That little little guy. There's certain things. How many of you would want? Uh, 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 how many of you would? Let's see something big. Uh, uh, somebody that operates a bulldozer. How many of you would want him? That's a big thing. Bulldozer. How many of you would want him doing brain surgery on you? You'd want somebody that's good with the micro thing. Is that right? So small is not always bad. Sometimes small is good. Is that right? And, and sometimes if you just have a little... See, we're always looking at what we don't have. Why don't we start looking at what we do have? We're, we're always looking at what we don't have. Let's look at what we do have. They, this church had a little strength, yet Jesus gave them an open door. How many of you know Moses? God asked him, what do you have in your hand? Remember that? God didn't ask him, what don't you have? God asked Moses. Remember in the Old Testament? He said, what do you have? He said, well, I have this stick in my hand. How many of you know God took that small little stick that Moses had in his hand and he brought down the most powerful empire that maybe has, has ever been up to that time? Is that right? How many of you know that's right? I know Elijah went in there and, and, and that widow woman, she just had a little, little oil and a little meal. And that little oil and that little meal, when, when she, she gave it to Elijah and, and all of that, how many of you know that sustained them for what, a year, year and a half? You see, is that right? How many of you know David, he was facing a giant. He just had five little bitty stones and a slingshot and he brought down a giant. Is that right? How many of you know there was a big crowd one day, they needed to be fed, and Jesus asked his disciples, what do you have? And they said, well, we just have this little boy's lunch here with a few loaves and a few fish. How many of you know he blessed it and he fed multitudes? Is that right? How many of you know that's right? And how many of you know little, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this down, little becomes much when it's placed in the master's touch. Is that right? Little becomes much when it's placed in the master's touch. 
And so all we need to do, even if we don't have a whole lot, just make ourselves available to Jesus. And he can open doors that nobody can shut. He can can do things that nobody else can can do. And he can empower us to do all that we need to do. Can you say amen? Look at verse nine. He said, indeed, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but are not. Now, I'm not going to explain what all that means. You can go back and go to the church in Smyrna on the Internet and find out what that means. But these were a bunch of critical people. Realize they critical people. Critical. They're critical people. The synagogue of Satan. They say they're Jews and are not, but lie. Now, notice something here, and I'm going to teach you something. I, indeed, I'll make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Something I want to teach you from this. Listen closely. And I've, and, and, and I've talked with pastors that have, have, have bore this out to be true. And it's happened so many times. When you have uh, uh, spiritual leadership that's really walking in the love of God and trying to help people. And you got people rise up against that spiritual leadership. And eventually they, like in a church setting, they'll rise up against a pastor. They'll rise up against the leadership. And then they'll leave the church and then they'll go out and they'll badmouth the church. You wouldn't think Christians would do that, but that happens all the time. Almost without exception, and sometimes it takes 20, 30 years... But almost without exception, those people that do that, they're going to get themselves in a situation where they're going to have to come back to that good, good spiritual leadership and ask for help. And I believe that's what happened here. How many of you know we don't need to be critical of people? We don't need to be terror downers. We need to be builder uppers. And I've seen this again and again, and you see it like with Job. How many of you remember Job and his three friends? And eventually those three friends, Job, had to pray for him. Is that right? And you'll see this again and again where people will rise up against good spiritual leadership. People that are pastors that are just trying to help people. And they'll badmouth them. They'll talk bad about him. They'll leave the church. They'll cause all kinds of problems. But then you go 20, 30 years down the road or sometimes not that long. And they'll get in a situation... Where they're going to need some help. And they usually, almost without exception, they have to go back to that person for help. Did you hear what I just said? Look at verse 10. Because you've kept my command to persevere. I'm almost finished. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial, which is to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. This is a good scripture to use to show that the church is going to be raptured out before the tribulation. We need to be a church like this one in Philadelphia. That word from, it's the Greek word ek, means completely out of, completely away from. I personally believe the church will be raptured out before the worst of the judgment of God comes upon the, the world. So we need to be as... We need to be like the church in Philadelphia. He said, I'm coming quickly. Now, that's quickly from his standpoint. We've taught you that. 
Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Notice he didn't say take your salvation. He said take your crown. You know, as we as believers, as we live for the Lord, we can gain rewards, obtain rewards. But we can also lose those rewards if we don't continue to be faithful to him. Let's continue to be faithful to the Lord and not let's don't let anyone steal our crown, our reward. Can you say amen? Hold fast. Didn't Jesus say hold fast? And then it says, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. That's a good deal, isn't it? And shall go out no more. I'm going to tell you real quick what that means. But let's finish reading this. I'll write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. I'll write on him my new name. That's, that's, that's a good, good thing. He has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, we wouldn't really understand so much when Jesus talks about I'll make him a pillar. In the temple of my God. We wouldn't really have the full understanding of this. When he says and they'll go out no more. We wouldn't really have a full understanding of this. Unless we knew something about this city. This city was very prone to earthquakes. And this particular city. There was so many aftershocks that would take place. That the buildings. You know when there's an earthquake. And it, it crumbles the buildings. And the aftershocks cause things to uh, to fall. And this city here in Philadelphia. They they were they underwent a lot of a- aftershocks and things and and so uh, on many occasions they would have to go outside of the city and in some cases they'd have to pitch tents out there and stay out of the city for a while and they'd have to leave the city because of these aftershocks and Jesus he said to them he who overcomes I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. See, when he said he shall go out no more, he was making reference to because they'd have to go out regularly to get away from the city because of the aftershocks of the earthquakes. Isn't that interesting? And he said, he said, it will go out no more. And I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. I can't think of a better thing to be than, than, than a pillar in the temple of the Lord. Now, you, you think about a pillar. What does a pillar do? It holds things up. Is that right? And this was a small church. And they just had a little strength. But yet if they'd stand firm, they would be a what? A, a pillar, some, something that would, just with a little strength, empowered by God, with an open door from Him, you could hold things up in the temple of God. I want to be that kind of Christian. How about you? Glory to God. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Did you learn anything about Philadelphia today? Yeah. And again, I want to say this. If you're visiting, I I did spend some time talking about some personal things that I usually don't. But I think those things can help you sometimes. There's open doors out there, isn't there? And God opens them. And we need to be sensitive when He opens them and so on. Remember, don't forget that lesson. And uh, do you have to be big to be successful? No. Can you be small and be successful? Yeah. Can you be small and God use you? Can you be big and God use you? What's the key? Being in the will of God. Is that right? Stand with me if you would. We'll finish this up next week when we talk about the lukewarm church. You're going to really, this, this lukewarm, how many of you ever heard of the lukewarm church? The last one, Laodicea. And, and, and I, I've got some things to share with you about this, this, this church in Laodicea next week. In the lukewarm, you're going to get a, a different view of what lukewarm means. When you see about the hot and the cold, we're going to talk about the hot and the cold. And, and, and when you see 
what Jesus was really talking about there, it's it's gonna you get it. It's it's gonna bless you. It's gonna bless you. It, it give you a whole new insight. We'll get to it next week on lukewarm being hot and being cold. We'll, we'll, whole new insight on it. But I tell you what, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be I want to be like this church in Philadelphia.